Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Blue, White and Yellow with myself, Connor McGilligan, and your Leeds United reporters, Baron Cross and Joe Donoghue. The season is about to kick off uh, at Old Trafford at the weekend and we're recording midday on Tuesday and we've got a, a whole host of things to talk about. Make sure you stay tuned as well because we've got a special uh, preview from the MEN chief reporter Samuel Looker, so stay tuned for that one. Fellas, the season is approaching. Um, I mean, just generally, it's a very broad question, but but how are you feeling ahead of the new season? Do you think Leeds are prepared, Baron? Yeah, I think they are. I think um, we have to trust in, in Marcelo, don't we? This is his fourth pre-season. We know, based on how they've started every other season under him, that we've got every reason to believe that he will get them in, in good shape for Saturday. Uh, we're recording on, on Tuesday, so we've we've got a few days yet before before the big kickoff at Old Trafford. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the pre-season has been well analysed and and looked at by all of us. We, we can obviously talk about Villarreal a little bit. That's that's. And, and Ajax, I think, have both happened since we recorded, or maybe just Villarreal. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, it, on paper, I'm sure that people looking from afar, maybe who look at the Premier League on mass or look at league results and thinks, you know, it's not too clever. Um, but I think we all feel slightly more level-headed about it. I think we know that, um, obviously, Calvin has come in quite late and, and not everybody has played 90 minutes in, in every one of those games. But I think it's the case across the division, really. You know, I think, well, obviously, I'm sure you've, you've spoken to, to Samuel Luckhurst and and he will probably fill you in a bit more on what's going on over there. But I think that's one example of many clubs in the Premier League that are suffering with what's been two years of near non-stop football, as well as a an international tournament uh, or, or multiple international tournaments, if you include South America. So nobody will have come into this season with ideal preparation. Uh, so I think all we can go off is, is previous campaigns and we know that Marcelo knows how to get this team into into shape. Yeah, I mean, the team starts fast historically under Bielsa, so you'd hope that that'll follow through into Saturday in the first few games. Um, there's, I mean, there's been quite a few comments made already, haven't there, about how the team are pretty much in the best shape they've been. Uh, I think, was it Matthias Click who said something about that after the Villarreal game, that's part, that they were in the best nick that they've ever been? So... Um, I got obviously it's a credit to the fitness staff, you know Benoit Delaval and, and and the coaches there that they've obviously you know they've had them in for the best part of what six weeks, five six weeks now. Um, pretty much the vast majority of the squad, uh, including the likes of Junior Firpo, who you know was in on the second day of preseason. Um, it's yeah, I, I think there'll be there'll be a little bit of clamouring for new faces. I think because you know there's the the whole central midfielder debate and whatnot. But I think in terms of going into the season. I think at the very, very least, the squad is as strong as the one that finished last season with one defeat in 11 games. So, you know, it's obviously the transfer window just does bring sort of that, oh, well, we need to sign somebody. We need to sign this player, that player. But at the same time, you know, the the, the club clearly believe that, 
you know they they're ready. Marcelo Bielsa is 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 happy with with the squad that he's assembled so far. So um, yeah, I think there's I think there's a right to be a little bit optimistic. There, there might be some uh, some some glass half empty people who might be a bit more pessimistic. Uh, I'm looking at you, Connor, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm I'm quietly optimistic about sort of going into the season. I think there's there are clubs who are who are sort of still waiting around doing their transfer business now haven't had um haven't had the the preparation that that Leeds will have gone through haven't played the caliber of opponents in the friendlies so yeah i think um i think that the team are ready yeah it's a really solid point that jd just in terms of the caliber of 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 teams that Leeds have faced because we really have you know ajax betis villarreal and we'll, we'll touch on villarreal just now but it seems to be yorente out furpo out uh, Phillips back and Cooper back so it's sort of two in two out overall it'd be nice to start the season with all four of them obviously we don't know we'll, we'll learn that from Marcelo's press conference on on Thursday Thursday but Llorente was such a mainstay wasn't he towards the end of the season Baron he was absolutely superb for Leeds United and Leeds were I think were second in the form table to Liverpool um, from the 23rd of February or something like that. And, and Urente was just astronomical in Leeds' progress. So him out um, potentially at the weekend and, and Furpo potentially out, do you see that as a, as a problem for Leeds United or, or do you think we'll be able to work our way around it? No, I think they'll be they'll be fine to work their way around it. I think Marcelo is, is, has talked about this a lot in the past. He's got a squad with a lot of moving parts and a lot of versatile players. Um, 12 months ago, we wouldn't have had any problem with Stuart Dallas playing at left-back. So I don't think that suddenly becomes an issue, uh, as much as I do like him in the middle now. Uh, yeah, and Urense has been been superb, you know, from from somebody who last January we were worrying about and, and sort of fearing the worst in terms of his injury record and he couldn't really catch a break. And I'm sure he was in quite a dark place at, at certain points, especially after the trip to St. James's Park. But yeah, you, you, you're quite right. He was he was formidable into that final that final third of the season. Um, I think if you looked at the last eleven games, they were yeah, they were a top four side. So um, that's a very sizable chunk of last season. Uh, a lot of reason to be confident. But easy to get that Robin Cock was was outstanding at the start of last season. You know, I think going into his final game before injury was Chelsea, wasn't it? Which was early December. So going into into what was the first three months of the season, I thought Robin Cock was was right up there with players of the year. You know, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. So he'd just come into the side. I thought him and Cooper had a really good understanding. So I've got no reservations about him playing there on, on Saturday, if that is the way he goes. But again, I don't know if you'll talk about it now, but I, I mean, <laughs> the fact that Phillips didn't start on Saturday does concern me a little bit. I think... Marcelo, we we have to look at it in the cold light of day. Marcelo doesn't get involved in egos or reputations or what the people expect or the fact that England internationals should be starting games. I think he looks at the player as an individual basis. And whether we like it or not, the fact is that Calvin started a lot later than the rest of them. And conditioning is absolutely paramount to everything that a starter has under Bielsa. So I wouldn't actually be too surprised if Cox starts there, given he's played there all, all summer. Um, and we actually see Pascal, which again, none of us here have got any concerns about that. I think we're all we're all part of the Pascal fan club. So, yeah, it, it will be a miss for Diego, but you know, I've got absolute faith in Robin or Pascal playing there, and, and Dallas too at left back. You know, I think as I've just said before, he made this great move into the middle. Brilliant left back. It's our first choice left back last season. I suppose you know you think about it. If Calvin Phillips plays ten minutes at Old Trafford from the start and pulls up with an injury, it looks like an incredibly stupid decision after only ninety minutes in pre-season. It's exactly the same as if Luke Shaw or Harry Maguire goes down 
within the first 10, 15 minutes with a, with a muscle strain or something because they haven't had the time to prepare and, and get up to the required intensity in Man United's pre-season games. Um, so I think, again, we, we've spoken about this before, haven't we, Baron? You know, Bielsa is very protective of his players in terms of their fitness and conditioning. He's not going to risk someone who he thinks is not, you know, absolutely ready to, 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 to play 90 minutes or, or go, go in from the start. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, we've seen it with with the ways managed Cooper and, and Bamford. I think we're we're all assuming that there was some sort of issue keeping Bamford out of the Blackburn game. But he's obviously come back in now and and looked really really good against Villarreal, to be honest. So yeah, yeah, I think the fact he didn't start the Villarreal game does make me think that he's probably not going to start Calvin on Saturday. As, as as crazy as that sounds, and as upsetting it will be for him because. As we we found out last season, he was the one that was banging the drum going into the first Old Trafford game, and, and he's of course the local lad who who wears sort of wears the shirt for the fans, if you like, and is sort of the fans' representative on the pitch. So, if that is the case, he's going to be absolutely devastated, I'm sure. As as much as he understands the numbers and the science behind it, it's still going to be quite disappointing for him. And yeah, like you say, after the game, we're going to hope that it proves to be the right decision. If if they lose heavily again, then people are going to say, "Well, why on earth did you not start Calvin?" I mean, that, that's just the way football is, isn't it? You know, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Because if they win and he doesn't play, then it's then it's a masterstroke. Or if he starts and he pulls up injured, like Joe just said, then again, Bielsa is going to get criticised for playing him when he's not he's barely played all, all summer. So. Yeah, he's very um, dispassionate, isn't he? You know, he doesn't he doesn't make decisions based on players' prior reputations. You know, we saw that with any number of players that have arrived at the club and not started immediately. You know, you think about Rafinha now and and how good he is and and how important he is, and think that he came and didn't start for about eight weeks. You know, he came off the bench at Palace like with very very little fanfare. You know, came on at Villa with very little attention, and and you think back now, I think well, I'd imagine how many more points they could have picked up if he'd started sooner. Played against uh, Norwich in the 23s, didn't he? That was kind of his unofficial league's <laughs> debut. Came on and just absolutely tore them to shreds. Like, uh, actually, I do think he's ready for the first team, to be honest, Marcel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, that the, the the shift would then, you know, if we're all happy with Dallas at left back, which I think we all are, you know, he's we know he's decent there, very decent. But I, I do agree, Baron. I think, you know, when we saw Dallas go there, in you know towards the latter part of the season there was a real defensive sort of solidity there and Urente at the back those two for me made a real difference on you know through the spine of Leeds United so with regards to Dallas going potentially uh, to left back the central midfield chat now becomes a huge thing doesn't it because when we went there last time we saw Rodrigo and Click in the middle which was a huge problem um we've seen Rodrigo maybe in pre-season I know you guys are huge fans of him I'm still not 100% sure uh, defensively uh, of Rodrigo I think we saw that I think there's been some clips going on online as well of of him defensively against Villarreal not really knowing where he's supposed to be going etc etc um sweeping statement that is of course but what what do you expect Lee to, to to set up with in central midfield JD if if uh, if Stuart Dallas is to go left back well, it is a question, isn't it? Because it would be a bold pick to go with the same two-man midfield that you then basically ripped up the the playbook and and had changed by half time at four one down. Um, like last JD, December, JD, JD just as a caveat as well at Ellen Road, it was Tyler Roberts and Matthias Click, I believe, in the middle for that game. So he did change it up, obviously. Was it not Dallas? Or was it? Am I remembering that wrongly? 
it might have been yeah, Dallas and Roberts. Yeah, 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 I think, it was, yeah, I think Dallas, it was Dallas, Dallas and, Roberts. and Roberts who were together at Elland Road. And obviously, you're looking at those two going into that that game, and you're thinking, well, that's arguably just as you know. I mean, it's it's just as attacking as a as a as a click in a Rodrigo, but but it worked. And you know, Calvin was you know he shackled Bruno Fernandes in that game. Mm. So, yes, I mean, swings and roundabouts, horses for courses, whatever you want to say about it. I'm glad I'm not picking that midfield too because, it, I mean, you know, Scott McTominay played in inspired form that game at Old Trafford last year. I mean, that, that, that those first few minutes, Click just could not, he just did not track him whatsoever. And it was kind of, I mean, the game was the game was lost after about three minutes and you thought, well, I mean, what, what do you, where do you go from here? Because, you know, do you protect the lead? Uh, do you protect, you know, how much you're being beaten by and try, try to keep it respectable? Uh, obviously, we knew that was never going to be the case. Um, or do you go and try and try and you know make the make up the deficit? I, I mean, personally, I'd prefer it if I, I know that Junior hasn't played the last two preseason games, but he's played against Blackburn. He played against um, who else was it? He played the the game before Ajax. Um, Batiste. He played against Betis as well for forty five minutes. I think I don't know. I've kind of got a, a sneaking suspicion that he might he might play him at, at left back. Um, for uh, at Old Trafford on Saturday, and then can have Dallas in the middle because I think Dallas is—I mean, he's the Swiss Army knife, isn't he? He's just Mister Versatile. I think in terms of this lead squad, he has the highest floor. If that makes sense, as in you—you you know, you're not going to get a Dallas which is you know below a six out of ten on any given week. Um, so you know that wherever you put him, you're going to get a reasonable performance. Yeah, hundred percent. If we see Calvin, Dallas, and Rodrigo, I think. Oh. Fancies, you know, I would. Is that, your, is that your preferred three then? Uh, yeah, I mean, Click's Click's a great shout. He's been brilliant in preseason. Yeah, uh, Click's a great shout, and and obviously it gives you a little bit more, you know, understanding for me in that midfield about sort sort of defensive awareness. I mean, what would you go with, JD? Would yours be different to that? I know you and Baron have sort of mentioned Rodrigo in there a, a couple of times. I mean, uh, from from what you said last time, you just he he simply has to play, doesn't he? I think the whole the, the reason why Leeds haven't aggressively recruited a central midfielder yet in this window is because there is still the belief that we're yet to see the best from Rodrigo. And you also have Mateus Klick. You also have a contract extension for Stuart Dallas. You have the options. I mean, Bielsa's been you know a staunch defender of Tyler Roberts before. You know, there's. I think I genuinely think he believes he has options in there. Um, but I think, yeah, the the the, the one toss up for me would be whether you have Click or. Um, Rodrigo yeah. as, as that sort of number 10 uh, because with Click you do get a lot more coordinated pressing he's very very good at that you know he's he knows the system better than Rodrigo does so I think if it's a game where you're going to be out of possession a lot more I'd probably side with Click over Rodrigo but if it's a game like a Burnley or Newcastle or a Crystal Palace for example where you're probably going to dominate the ball you want somebody of Rodrigo's ability to be able to create in those attacking spaces so I think it's on a on a case by case basis for me, but yeah, there's not. I, I don't think there's too much disagreement between the three of us that obviously your preferred midfield three is Calvin, Dallas, and then one of Click or Rodrigo. As we promised, guys, we are going to hand over to an interview that I did earlier on with Samuel Luckhurst, who is the chief reporter at the Manchester Evening News. So here it is. How's um how's it been built up in Manchester, Samuel? Are the fans sort of looking forward to this one? Because I know every single Leeds fan um, <laughs> cannot wait for this game. It's it's strange, really. It's been impossible to 
really gauge it so far, even though they United have had a couple of home games recently because so much has been going on and people still quite aren't quite back in uh, see, season starting mode yet. But the, the game against Everton at the weekend was a dress rehearsal, not, not just for the team, but the actual club in that it kicked off at 12.45. It was a Saturday kickoff as well um, for, for the game against Leeds this week because they've not had a capacity crowd since March in, of, of last year. It's It's been nearly 18 months. So I think it won't really hit some until maybe 10, 15 minutes before kickoff when the away end is full of Leeds fans for the first time since the Beckford game, I imagine it would be. Um, obviously, they played each other last season, but there were no supporters present. Go, going to Ellen Road in that week uh, where the Super League fiasco started, it, it was quite an eye-opener that you didn't really need to have any supporters present to gauge just how, how how detested Manchester United are at Ellen Road, even though there were no supporters there. But it's it's really it's, it's such a uh, tantalising first game of the season uh, to, to have that as as Man United and Leeds United, it, and you know, there's there's a reason why these games kick off as as early as this one is on Saturday. Yeah, hundred percent. You touched on Everton there, Samuel, in, in terms of Manchester United's preseason. It's been a it's been a sort of uh, up and down one, really, isn't it? The QPR result, the Everton result. Have you seen enough in Manchester United to to, to sort of start the season with a with a real vigour? The first two or three games they had were pretty much irrelevant because the squad was so callow. There were a surplus of senior players because of the international tournaments. The Preston game, which was one that you'd have had Fernandez penciled in to start, maybe a couple of other senior players, was cancelled because of that batch of false positives uh, for lateral flow tests for COVID-19. So United have played a game fewer than they'd intended. And as far as I'm aware, there's, there's no... There are no plans to schedule a behind-closed-doors friendly this week. I think it's just going to be a, a full week's worth of training in the build-up to the Leeds game. But rather encouragingly for United, in the first half against Everton on Saturday, they were probably more intense and penetrative than anybody imagined. It was the first game of pre-season for a lot of those players. They played pretty good football in a lot of ways, it was the perfect dress rehearsal for the Leeds game, but it was also an imperfect one in that Everton, I think, are just about the polar opposite to Leeds, even though there's been a managerial change there. There was no discernible difference to when they had Ancelotti last season and, and United played some of their most controlled and comfortable football across three games against Everton last season and Ancelotti was once sacked. I think he was sacked by Bayern Munich partially because... His training regime was so lethargic. And then you've got Bielsa with murder ball, with Calvin Phillips coming back something like 11 days after the European Championship final. Leeds are one of the fittest and most intense teams in the league. So they outrun the majority of the teams they come up against. United had to increase their running when they played against Leeds at Old Trafford last season. So it, it all, all being told... I really wouldn't be surprised if Leeds do get something out of this game on Saturday just because of the fitness levels and because of the amount of senior United players who are undercooked still. Yeah, I think that's that was that what was uh, quite surprising to a lot of Leeds fans in that first game when when Manchester United 
put six past us. I think it was because Leeds are, are notoriously fast starters and Manchester United last season at, at that point weren't fast starters at all. And obviously two goals inside three minutes completely sort of ended the game really. But from the first time we met at Old Trafford on that day, uh, Samuel, to when Leeds met Manchester United at Ellen Road, what sort of differences did you did you see in that Leeds United side? I just thought Leeds were much more sophisticated and just much more of a Premier League side. It was almost as if they needed the first third of the season to adjust to the demands of the league. There was a lot to like about them. The first game of the season back against Liverpool, they ran Liverpool close. So there were no mugs. That was pretty clear. I know they had a couple of bad results and certainly that United game, I think, was one that United probably could could quite easily have scored 10 goals in. It, It was bizarre how open leads were and how porous they were and they weren't doing much to plug the gaps either and then four months later there was that pretty forgettable nil-nil game uh turgid game which it's very difficult to recall any standout moments from it but that was because one leads had got their act together they chored things up uh they by that point i think they were comfortable in their own skin operating as not just a leads team but a leads team in the premier league again and that was borne out by where they finished at the end of the season. So it was interesting. United chose or arranged the friendly with Everton, given that Everton finished directly below Leeds last season. It's almost as if they they were seeking a similar standard of opposition going into the first game of the season because it's they've gone from the team who finished 10th last season, I think, to Leeds who finished 9th last season. But as I've touched upon already, the, the work rate, the tempo, the the difference between Everton and Leeds is is like night and day. So I, I don't think that dress rehearsal was ideal in some 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 ways for United, purely because Leeds are just so much more intense and, and they do outrun pretty much every team they come up against. And it is going to be interesting to see if someone like Phillips, who probably covered more ground than any other player at the Euros, how he copes this season when it's the season's back to normal and that it starts at the normal time. Um, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a hardship on his body, but he's a very fit fit lad as it as everyone's seen uh, during his time at Leeds and and at the Euros. So maybe some teams will be able to take advantage of that throughout the course of the season. But I think outside the top six teams, Leeds are probably the worst team United could have uh, hoped to come up against as as a you know as, as the start of the season. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, your transfer window, Samuel, um, Sancho, Varane. What a what have you made of it, and, and b do you expect those two amongst others who played in you know later on in the Euros, Sean Maguire? Do you expect um, all those players to sort of start against Leeds United, or do you think it's going to be a bit of a change up? I don't think Sancho will. He'll have only had five days of pre-season training. That there've there've been some inconsistencies with the return dates with the internationals. Um, Maguire and Shaw were back last week. Sancho's back this week. Maguire and Shaw played. They were regulars for England at the Euros. Sancho started one game. I think he played some like 111 minutes in total. So I, I don't quite understand, understand the logic behind him coming back so late. People at the club said it was because he was in at the training ground a couple of days after the final to complete his transfer, which was the case, but it still didn't stop him from necessarily joining up with the team in Scotland last week. As, as I said, there have been inconsistencies with the return date. Some quarantined within their three weeks off on holiday. Some tagged their quarantine at the end of their holiday. Edinson Cavani has had over five five weeks off, even though 
Uruguay were eliminated from the Copa America at the quarterfinal stage. So Maguire and Shaw will start. They start against Everton at the weekend. Solskjaer's already said that Varane and Sancho will be on the bench. Now, he is not the most transparent when it comes to his team news, but I think it's easier to take him at face value given... Not, 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 not just the lack of minutes that Sancho and Varane have had in, in recent times, but the fact that they've not started pre-season training yet with with their new teammates. Um, which, again, it, if United don't play well and if they don't win at the weekend, it just from a professional perspective, it's it's easier for us to to criticise him for that because there's every chance Daniel James and Anthony Marshall will be up top this weekend, and they are not starting players for Manchester United if they don't play well. If United don't lose. People are going to say, well, if you brought Sancho back earlier, if you brought brought Cavani back earlier, those two should have started and they might have made a difference. So that they are taking a risk with the return dates coming back, particularly against a team as fit and renowned for their fitness as Leeds are. With the fans, uh, obviously, that have, that have come back now, the Everton game, there was, I don't know how many uh, Manchester United fans there were there, but there was there was some serious noise there. Um, did you notice a, a massive effect in terms of the performers? Did it, did it sort of significantly go up because fans returned or do you think that would just have been a constant for Manchester United? I think the players buzzed off having fans back there. The fans have been back for a few games now, a couple of games before the Everton game, they had them back, obviously at the start of last, sorry, not the start, the end of last season when I think every Premier League club was able to welcome a, a minority back in um, and, and then they had the Brentford game in pre-season as well, but you can tell from the tone of the crowd when there's a chant, and there weren't many chants that it's mainly families who are attending these games because that's what pre-season matches are, are there for, it's you know, kids can get, can get in for free up to a certain age. That the ticket prices are reduced. That it's more of a, a family outing and the, sorry, a family outing. Whereas at the start of the season, you've got your hardcores coming back. A whole stand was still closed at Old Trafford uh, at the weekend, and probably a third of the Stretford end, I'd say, was was closed as well. So I don't think the the presence of supporters had a bearing on. Um, on the performance as such, I think it was more the fact that, that you had some players who were playing their first pre-season game and who needed to to get up to speed. Fernandez, for example, was was overplayed last season, and and he was one player who did merit more than three weeks off in the summer, and he looks fresher for it. I think it probably helped that he didn't start Portugal's last two games at the Euros. He actually lost his place. So he didn't play as many, um, he, he didn't have as many minutes at the Euros as probably everyone would have expected. And that's a benefit for United that they've got to take from it. Someone like Maguire wants to play every minute. Luke Shaw, his, his fitness hasn't been an issue for quite some time now. So I, I, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't put much in the presence of supporters, but I'm I'm hopeful that there'll be a pretty good atmosphere for the Leeds game, even though those early kickoffs sometimes they can dilute the actual noise that's that's generated at a match. And what sort of game are you expecting, Samuel, uh, at Old Trafford? Is it going to be frantic like it was in the first game, or, or are you sort of expecting a slower pace like it was in the second game? It's a good question. Uh, I think Leeds have got a lot to really... There are a lot of incentives for Leeds to actually have a go at United and really test how, how fit United are. As I said, the Everton game was not a reliable, a reliable gauge of where United are uh, fitness-wise at the moment because I think the way Everton play, the way um, Rafael Benitez wants his teams to play, it, it wasn't an ideal barometer of, 
of just where United are at with their conditioning. So I'd expect Leeds to, and I think Leeds should, you know, be a bit more front-footed than maybe they were in the Ellen Road game. And they were front-footed at Old Trafford last season, but they just went about it in the wrong way. And that's where there was still an element of naivety about their game that I think eventually as the season gradually progressed, Bielsa coached out of them, all the players um, improved their game management. And you look at Leeds now, I don't think anybody has got them down for relegation or even bottom half of the table. I think there's a very good chance they'll finish in the top half of the table again. And United, really, this is the first season in probably five years, four years maybe, that there's a sense among the supporters that they expect them to challenge for the title this season. The players, of the players, the staff, Solskjaer, they've put that pressure on themselves as well, just the way that they've very, very gradually progressed in recent seasons and the signings they've made this summer, it, it demands a title challenge. So uh, United can't sit back and you know, just look to bide their time. I know it's, I don't expect United to, steamroller leads like they did in December last year. I think it might be a tight game, but hopefully an entertaining one as well. Samuel, I don't know if you normally do this, but could I push you for a score prediction? <laughs> I, I really don't like predictions, as I don't say <laughs> on, on our own podcast. Uh, I'd probably I'd probably go for a score draw, maybe maybe two two. If if it's it's difficult to say if Iran starts, that gives United the edge because he's not at a preseason he's not played much at all it's it's really not one of those games that that is going to that you can judge on paper whatsoever so at, at this at this juncture maybe I'll feel different in the week but I'd probably go for a 2-2 draw at this stage and if you've got some sort of I presume uh the MEN have got a lot of preamble towards the the, the Leeds game do you want to just say where people can find you on our network yeah, obviously, if you just Google the Manchester Evening News, that will that will come up. But for myself, uh, my, my Twitter handle's just my, my full name. It's it's Samuel Luckers. So uh, it's always Samuel, never Sam. That's my Andrew Andy Cole uh, comparison in, in, in journalism anyway. <laughs> Also, guys, what you can do is um, we've been we've been told that apparently on the 14th and 15th of August, you can go and have a picture with the Premier League trophy at the Sky Shop at the uh, Trinity Centre in Leeds. So if you want to go do that, go down and check that out. I believe that's this Saturday and Sunday, if I've got my dates right. Um, go get yourself a picture with the Premier League trophy. Um, okay, now we're going to move on. That's going to be the transition into our season predictions. I thought this would be a little bit of a fun exercise for us to do. Um, talk about the top scorers, top assister, breakout talent, etc., etc. I'm sure all of our listeners know the gist. So I'm going to come to you first, JD, um, straight away. And this is Leeds United Central, by the way. I don't want generic uh, top scorers. I don't want you to be talking about Lukaku and Bruno Fernandes and all that sort of stuff. So top scorer for Leeds United. Um, I'm going to come to you first. I know you wanted to listen to mine and Baron's uh, predictions first so you could copy. So I'm going to go to you first. Um, who is going to be Leeds United's top scorer at the end of this season, bud? I mean, it's hard to look past anyone but Bamford, isn't it? It has to be. 17 yeah. goals last season. He's going to play a very similar, if not identical, role this season. You'd imagine that the service he's going to get is going to be just as good, if not better. Yeah, it has to be has to be Bamford for me. I'm going to go with Rafinha. I think he's got a full season and he's going to absolutely tear it up this season. He's going to be frightening. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Rafa. I, I, Bamford, can he replicate 
what he did last season, yeah, maybe. But I, I just, I think he's going to get a lot less this season. I think Rafa's going to help him out and just pip him. What about you, Beren? Do you think Rafa's going to get all the tappings then, or do you think that, that generally he's going to score like twelve and Bamford will just score less than that? He's going to score. That's, that, that's where you get goals in it. It's your six-yard box tappings. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I guess you got is Bamford on penalties or click? Yeah, click was Bamford. Bamford's taken him off click because I think Click missed one or two, didn't he? Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. The right, West Ham right. one was one we'll not repeat. My answer's Bamford, by the way, but I just, I just, I'm fascinated to you how, in your mind's eye, how do you see Rafinha getting more goals? Than <laughs> I see Bamford? a couple. I, I see a couple of twenty yarders. I see a couple of thirty yarders. I really do. And he's just got it in his locker, you know, arriving late as well. Um, always eager to get on the end of things. Yeah, I think, I think Rafinha. Yeah, I'm going to go with. I think he's going to score thirteen goals this year. Yeah. And okay. I think... So, do you think it'll be a season where they kind of share the goals around a bit? Then yeah, you'll get sort know. of four or five players scoring ten apiece. Yeah. yeah. A lot of unselfish work from Bamford and and Rafa's gonna Rafa's gonna peak. Harrison yeah. assisting for Rafinha at the back stick. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is an interesting one actually. So Harrison, I mean, he was up there with Grealish, wasn't he, in terms of goal contribution? So we'll move on seamlessly. We'll go to you, Baron, first. Who's going to be the top assister for Leeds United this year? Rafinha. Set pieces. Crosses from wide, general quality. Um, yeah, got to be Rafinha, but yeah, there, there's a few, there's a few candidates, isn't there? Yeah, well, I get, well, I gave you quite a, a, a good reason to vote Harrison there, mate. But you've gone for, you've gone for Rafinha, um, Jedi. Yeah, I think it has to be one of Harrison or Rafinha. When you look at just the the amount of attacks that come down the wide areas, it's kind of you know you stretch the pitch and then you just fire them into that dangerous area in the middle. You see where all Bamford's shots came last season, and you know they're very much in the middle of the box. Um, the the balls that have delivered those chances have come from out wide. So yeah, I mean Stuart Dallas is not a bad shout. You know he might uh, he might pop up with a few from the middle, but I'm gonna go with Harrison on the other side just to be a little bit different. Okay, I thought you were going to go with Rafinha. Yeah, I've gone with Rafinha again, which I told you all beforehand is pretty much what I've gone for, absolutely everything. Uh, but but yeah, Rafinha for me, top scorer, top assister. Um, his valuation at the end of the season is going to be through the roof. Um, breakout talent, Baron. It, this is probably the most interesting. I quite like this category because I think there's, there's a lot of arguments for a lot of different players um, around the fringes. Uh, I'm assuming we're going to, we're talking players who have, Got less than less than five first team appearances, or even fewer. Are we talking players who have not played at all for the first team? Or I suppose last season's was effectively Pascal Strauch, wasn't it? And he played yeah. around. You know, he played. Okay, so the, the, the so. criteria is no more than five or ten first team yeah. games. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Starts. You've got to look at the team as well and think about who's going to get the opportunities to break out. Yeah, you know, mm. who's actually going to get into the team and. It is it's quite tough because it's such a settled team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's there's nobody that's sort of that's played less than ten games across the first team of the twenty threes that you think they're ready now, sort of from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I think it's it's a real tough one. This it is. it is tough. I think. I mean, Gelhart is the obvious one, but I just don't know if he's quite going to get the chances. So I'm going to go Somerville. Okay, Somerville, JD. Uh, I'm going to go Cody Drama because uh, I think that uh, with with them not having a sort of a, you know cover for Luke Ayling senior cover at the, at the very least, I think 
and again, it does hinge on the fact that Ailing doesn't play 38 games out of 38 again this season, which obviously he did last term. Um, so that's probably a bit surprising to some people. But um, yeah, I think if there is, you know, hey, Cody might have a a good a good little run in the in the cup competitions. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think the options they've got there, right back, Jamie Shack, uh, Cody Drama, and obviously Luke Ailing being the first choice. I do think that it's a clearer pathway than, for example, the likes of Gelhart, who obviously is going to have to get past Bamford and then Rodrigo, Tyler Roberts. Um, and then out wide, you've also got, you know, Harrison, uh, Rafinha, Costa, Paveda, who are probably all ahead of Somerville. Uh, but for how long, that is the question. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a tough one. But I'm going to go with Cody Drama. Yeah, I've just got down breakout talent, drama, surely ailing injury. <laughs> oh, don't wish it on him. Don't wish it on him. Have you got like a Luke Ailing voodoo doll or something? That's, that's, oh, there's, a question, on, there's, there's a question mark at the end of that. It's not just a statement. Oh, I don't want him. I don't want Cody Drama to be the breakout talent because Luke Ailing has a horror injury or anything. It's just well, I think you know there might be I a mean, few. You th- JD, you said horror there. I was just talking maybe three or four games. But, I, I saw know. the look on your face. I'm telling you, I saw the look on your face, the twinkle in your eye. If the centre backs break down as well, then Ailing moves across. Ailing doesn't necessarily have to get injured, does he? So yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a route there for Drame. Um, but then, but then Shackleton, you know, with employment. And, and Dallas can play there. You know, Dallas played played a right back before he played left back. So there's there's this is the trouble with such a versatile team. Bielsa can move yeah. them around as much as he likes. Player of the season. I'm gonna go Calvin. I'm gonna go Calvin Phillips because if he can, I mean, I think he played what 29 games last season. If he can stay fit, stay in the team, and be that that player who plays 37, 38 games, um, then I think, you know, we'll we'll definitely see a noticeable upgrade in terms of the results in the games, which last season he didn't play in. Um, you know, I'm thinking like the Brightons, the, those types of matches. So, yeah, I'm I'm trying to manifest that. I'm trying to manifest a, a, a clean bill of, bill of health for Calvin throughout the campaign, unlike Connor with his Luke Allen prediction. <laughs> I've gone with Junior Furpo, but I'm doubting that now after I've got after I've got top scorer Rafa and uh, top assistant Rafa. That's a great I've shout. I've got Junior Furpo in there. Yeah, I like he's going to come Is that based on, on maybe him getting sort of seven, eight assists and obviously a very, a, another very good defensive season given how well the defence did last season? Yeah, and I think Harrison's going to profit from him as well. There's now a real balance from from the right and left, and I think he's going to be fantastic this season. I think he's really going to be a good addition for Leeds United. So, Junior Firpo, obviously, you know, even he might even start at the weekend. He might even start at the weekend, have a have an excellent performance. Pocket Sancho or pocket whoever's on that side, and yeah, I think he's Wan-Bissaka. going to go on. Bissaka, yeah, easy, uh, easy for me, Junior Firpo, Baron. Yeah, I mean, there's like you say, there's there's all kinds of narrative, and um, Bamford and Rafinha seem like quite easy easy choices. I think based on a hope that there's a second season boost, as there are for many of Bielsa's signings, I, I do have a soft spot for Rodrigo, and I really hope that this can be a year where we just see first of all he plays more because I think that was his big problem last year, and if he can play more and remain consistent, I think there is enough quality there to 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 prove his worth as Leeds' record signing. So um, whilst I think Bamford will outscore him and Rafinha will outassist him, I'm hoping that maybe he gets 10 goals, 10 assists. I mean, that'd be a pretty good season, wouldn't it? I mean, maybe outdone by both of them individually, but but combined, he might get more goal goal involvements than anybody else. Um, so yeah, just to be a bit different. And I think I think there's enough enough there to believe it could happen, but I, yeah. I, I do admit uh, the stars have to align a little bit and we have to see quite a bit more. But 
yeah, if he, if he plays more, I'm sure it will come. Yeah. Um, next one, I feel JD is going to say at the start here, well, it depends how the season goes, but... Um, it depends <laughs> how many points they've got after 38 games. <laughs> listen, listen, lads, you've got to play everyone twice. So, <laughs> um, Sean Dyche Premier- over there. Yeah. Pre- Pre- Premier League uh, finishing position. We'll go Baron first this time. It's so, so tough. It depends how the season goes. I, just, <laughs> I, I wonder... I, I just... It could be here, it could be there. Yeah, I mean, it could be seventeenth, it could be fourth. Uh, it just it just depends how they play in each and every game, really. If they if they play well, then they should finish higher. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I'm trying to think who finished above them because I think Arsenal. I mean, we we all know how good Ben White is, and Arsenal are surely going to improve a little bit just with his involvement, um, especially if they manage to somehow snap on Madison. Spurs, uh, I mean. I mean, Rome- I mean, Joe probably knows more than I do, but I mean, from what I've read, this Romero fella sounds pretty, pretty tasty. Yeah, um, that sounds like a very good signing for them. And they are going to be a bit stronger, aren't they? Which is going to then put a bit more pressure on, on Leeds. I mean, Leicester, as much as I, I, I really admire Leicester, you never know with them. I mean, if they, like, let's say they lose Madison and we know Fafana's done. Uh, Barnes, we know, is very fragile. Vardy's another year older. Ian Nacho, he's got a hell of a lot to do to match what he did at the back end of last season. They might well come back to Leeds a little bit, um, but I think I'd probably go, can I say ninth again? I mean, I think we'd all take that, wouldn't we? I think I'd go ninth again. A bit of a fencer, but... That is so fencing. <laughs> You'd rather me say 12th and ninth, wouldn't you? <laughs> you uh, said to me 16th off air. <laughs> don't start that. It's like the Twitter witch hunt. <laughs> no, I, I just I think the North Woman Cubs will be stronger, and I think I think I'd take ninth again. I'm just, I mean, ninth would be a great achievement. I think again, uh, anything would, in the yeah. top half for you know con- consolidating two top half finishes very um, very good in the first two years back in the Premier League. That is, I mean, I mean, how many other promoted teams do that? You know, you hear about second season since Sheffield like, United. Did they do it? <laughs> Almost, yeah. <laughs> Just about Blades fans. A, a Ten or eleven? Yeah, I, th- I think we've got a huge Blades listenership <laughs> on this pod, Baron. Um, They're everywhere on this pod. They're always in the comment section. The Blades. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I think I'm going to go eleventh. Yeah, um, I'm I, with Leeds. I'm going to go thirteenth. Which that's a very level headed of you, Connor, for a very passionate fan. That's very level headed, <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, um, yeah, 13th. A lot of other teams have got a lot stronger. Um, I think Villa will be better this year without Grealish. I just think the addition of Buendia in there, Leon Bailey is a bit of an unknown quantity, really. But Danny Ings, Ings is goals, Danny. isn't he? I mean, Ings is just goals, isn't he? If he's yeah. fit, he scores. Yeah. The, only with, the only thing with Villa for me is if Mings or um, Esri Konza gets injured, they don't have too much in the way of backup. Twan Zebi, though. Oh, yeah. Hey, Courtney Hawes, mate. Come on, Courtney Hawes. Well, Absolute okay. rocket. Come on, Courtney. I was, I was Courtney. discounting Twan Zebi there. I was discounting and, him. So, yeah, then, maybe they are quite set. That's all right. So, who else? Who have we got in that top eight then? Who have we got? We've so got... You've got the existing top eight. So, you've got the big six, yeah. so called Leicester, West Ham. Mm-hmm. And then you're saying Villa, Everton, and Wolves. So then you need one more above Leeds to get them 13th. You've got Newcastle, Palace, Southampton, Brighton, Burnley, or the promoted clubs? Brighton. I'm going to Brighton. Oh, that's a hell of a season from Brighton. Brighton. I think Brighton are going to have a very good season, dependent on if they can get any uh, striker in. in the, they need in the a next, striker, don't they? Quite bad. In the next four weeks. Yeah. And, and surely they've got a 
they've got lost a... Ben White, haven't they? So I mean, that's going to have a little bit of an impact, you would think, mm, even if yeah. it's quite minimal. Yeah. Um, cup progress, League Cup, <laughs> FA Cup. There's going to be no predictions here of, of what round, but how do you think Leeds will do in the cup competitions um, this season, JD? Uh, play a mishmash of first team and 23s and um, try and get as far through as possible. But I think the focus again will just be the league. You know, I, I mean, even if there are, I, I mean, I don't think there'll be any results which are as bad or as, you know, um, that will that will stoke the fires of football Twitter as bad as Crawley 3 0. But I do think <laughs> that um, I, I, I don't see, I don't see a Wembley run. I don't see a Wembley run. I, can't, I still can't believe that Crawley game. I still don't believe so it. So bad on it. So bad. I can't believe how bad they were that day. It was, it was honestly one of the worst matches I've ever seen. It was so bad. <laughs> Crawley totally outplayed them. It was embarrassing. It's the, the, all the added Mark Wright. Oh, God, oh just I remember awful. that. Awful. Jonathan oh. Pearce getting his Mark Wright moment in the 88th minute. Yeah. Getting his Tawi notes out on air. Come on, man. Embarrassing. Yeah, I... I don't know with the, the cup competitions. You it's, with Leeds with such a small squad, it's it's so difficult for us to progress to the you know the final stages of any cup competition. Really, so it's um, yeah. I mean, it's what would you rather? You know, Leeds staying up or or, or Leeds potentially you know struggling Doing a Wigan. and getting further. Yeah, exactly. Getting further. Go down cup. and win the cup. Yeah, um, Baron. How, how far? Yeah. Not far. I think Marcelo, as much as he says he respects the competitions in his press conferences, I think the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? I think every single cup game he's had, he's put out a very mixed side, if not a very young side in the case of the League Cup. So, yeah, I would I would think even if we're allowing them maybe not the slip-ups they had, I, I don't think we're looking at you know maybe quarters at the best possible case. Um, I mean, that, that would feel quite nice. I think if we got to the quarters, people's... Opinions would, would change. Yeah, people would change and think, "Oh, come on, let's just get to the, let's just get to Wembley." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, not. I, I wouldn't anticipate a, a deep, deep run in, in any of them. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Blue, White and Yellow podcast this week. It's been an absolute blast. It's been a bit of a bumper episode, hasn't it? But we hope you have enjoyed as always. We will see you again next week after Leeds United batter Manchester United, of course. <laughs> have a good one, guys, and we'll see you in a bit. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>